This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Mendel and Josh House. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of another Dolphins Podcast. And we find ourselves in a very, very tough situation as we are having a bit of a, an identity crisis here on another Dolphins Podcast. We have never been screamers. We've never been someone to go and MF a bunch of people. Uh, but Joshua House, the Miami Dolphins... We're scoreless in the second half. The Buffalo Bills scored 14 points in the fourth quarter to come away with a 21 to 14 win over the Miami Dolphins. I don't know where to go from here. So Joshua, how are you? Let's let's start there. Are, are, are you at least alive? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's what we have going for us, right? We all woke <laughs> up this morning. I mean, but besides from that, I mean, it does kind of feel like it's that so Dolphins again. And I do, we guess we should apologize now because we are just as scatterbrained as all the fans are. We don't. Um, you know, how to feel heading into this huge matchup on uh, Saturday night, which we'll talk about a little bit. But, um, dude, it just felt like that's so Dolphins, right? Primetime matchup, division on the line. It seemed like they were playing pretty well. And then, um, like you said, man, it seemed like a different team came out of the, that tunnel in the fourth quarter. And it um, same for the Bills as well. But how are you doing, man? You look like you're alive, too. It's a Monday. Been listening to a lot of Jack Black to help kind of get myself focused, revitalized, and uh, hyped for this podcast. And Josh, I've never been one to count chickens, and I, I, I try my hardest to never count chickens because my counting always ends up being wrong uh, for one reason or another. The Dolphins went into the half leading 17 or 14 to 7, and if you look at the Buffalo sideline, you see like Josh Allen's face turning like beat red, just like frustrated. You hear Sean McDermott in that interview before the half stuttering time and time again because this Dolphins defense was outstanding it was an absolute blast the fact that you can have it be like a third and two and josh allen lines up five receivers out wide and i'm not a smart guy i knew that josh allen was just going to run up the middle and the fact you can have like christian wilkins and that play by himself the fact you can have christian wilkins get a hat trick right the the fumble the sack and the turnover all at once to see how everything just dissolved and unfolded it's is it a surprise 
Should we start there? Is it a surprise as that game was going? Did you see see a team that looked confident and it fell off? Or was this kind of like that first Bills game, right? Where you're kind of tightrope walking and you're just waiting until you eventually plummet to your death? Oh, man, it, it's it's hard to say. I mean, I don't know that I was surprised with the outcome because I think deep down inside, we all just felt that same like PTSD do- Dolphin fan, right? Like they just can't win big games. Like I just feel like there's a greater being that's just above us. It's like already penciled in like, oh, Dolphins play a big game here. No chance they win at this point in our life. So um, I guess I wasn't surprised at the outcome. But as the game went on, I thought the Dolphins were playing, you know, solid football, especially in the first half. Um, I think one stat you need to look at, and I mean, I mean, you mentioned that defense, man. They stepped up despite who, you know, they needed. When they need a big play, they stepped up. You mentioned them going into the half 14-7. That's your own Baker hit coming out of the end zone to stop them right at the goal line. Klopp kick turning was um, incredible. But for me, the stat that stuck out was Devon Achan, right? He had, what, 55 yards in the first um, half and ended the game with 56 yards rushing. I mean, uh, I know the Bills controlled the time of possession in the second half, but not running the ball with Devon Achan, arguably the guy that was, you know, your spark plug in the first quarter uh, or first half. That, uh, to me, was poor. That was poor, in my opinion. And that's that's where the trouble comes in, because we have Mike McDaniel coming out after the game and saying things like, well, in the second half, the Buffalo Bills loaded up the box. They They tried to stop the run. And the question becomes, all right, so... Josh, there were some times I think they kind of just ran into a wall. Um, what would you have – see, there, there's an issue of the Dolphins being unable to sustain drives, and I think that's a problem. I don't necessarily know if it's the inability to run the football um, because you look at the Buffalo Bills, 36 carries, 38 pass attempts. Miami, 27 pass attempts, 20 carries. They just couldn't sustain drives. They couldn't do the math to equal 10 yards. And to me, man, when you have the running attack that's so great in the first half, I don't think so, – so play it through. You run, you have a fantastic rushing attack in the first half. Jeff Wilson's even going bananas. Devon Achan looks absolutely awesome. Uh, Achan, at least 21% of his attempts go for at least 10 yards. So one out of every five plays from him is a first down. Was the issue that the Miami Dolphins didn't run the football, or was it that they couldn't? Because I think there's a problem here where I think the Dolphins actually identified that the Bills were doing everything they could to stop the run. What's concerning is they didn't have any cheap, easy passing routes that could get a quick seven, eight yards. And that seemed to be my biggest frustration with this team, because the best way to run the football is to get to first down. Yeah, they came out right away despite how well that run game looked, and they were just throwing the ball as soon as it came out of the tunnel. Um, but to, like Mike McDaniel said, they were definitely loading the box. So I don't know what you want to do there. We know the Dolphins love to use the middle of the field, and that's where all those guys were kind of just cluttered around. But you wanted to, you know, see them do something. And in that uh, fourth quarter, I think there was our – in that second half, I mean, they, what, punted the ball four consecutive times or something like that for the first time all season, I believe I've written down. And um, Start the it's second just, half. Yeah, it was just – I don't know, man. I, I just feel like – the first half looked so promising. You know, things kind of went our way. We saw some Josh Allen turnovers, right? He kind of self-destructed a little bit, like one of those um, inspector gadgets, you know, at the beginning of the show. Where he threw, yeah, it just self-destructed, and he, you know, was making bad plays. Eli Apple threw one right to his gut. Um, I think Deshaun Elliott had, got cookies as well. So um, the Dolphins had to feel pretty confident going into the half. I just don't know why he didn't come out and at least try to run the ball a little bit, try to give A-Chain a little – a couple touches here, at least to change it up or to come out and counter what the Bills are doing, right? Man, you're saying they're stacking the box. Take those chances deep. But for me, Jake, I mean, do you feel – what do you felt differently if Jalen Waddle was out there? Because I feel like every time we look at this offense, you know, we talk about Tyree Kill, but after that I just feel like they're 
they're st- we're still waiting for someone to step up. I mean, we saw Braxton Berrios. He came up with a crucial, I think, third down catch like we've become accustomed to. But then later in the game, there was one where he ran the route short of the sticks. And it's just like um, we need someone to step up. I mean, we could talk about the Charles Clay play at the end of the game, which absolutely was the dagger to our heart, right? But Charles that was a Clay. poor route. Dude, I even been writing Charles Clay. I even wrote it down in my notes, Charles Clay. I do not know why I keep calling uh, Chase Claypool Charles Clay, but Chase Claypool ran a terrible, you know, lazy route and to a uh, pretty bad pass there. So, man, I just want to see someone else step up and see this offense have life because it looks so promising and so dominant early in the season. It kind of feels like, and the Dolphins are in a unique scenario, right? You have three defensive coordinators as head coaches in this division, and these games against Buffalo make it kind of seem like the Dolphins' offense is playing king of the mountain right? You're just trying to beat the defender to a location. The issue is when you have two guys charging for a location, one, you can either uh, have a player get absolutely demolished, someone running down. We saw that kind of happen a couple times with Tyreek, where a lot of what the Dolphins wanted to do was have him kind of just step in front of the safety and catch the ball. Now, all of a sudden you have the Bills just charging downfield time and time again. I'm just confused to see how the Miami Dolphins wanted to get the ball moving. We see Tua want to be this blackjack dealer, but I mean, you target Tyreek Hill 13 times. Durham Smythe, three targets. Cedric Wilson, three targets. And then you had three players with two targets each. Then you look at the Buffalo Bills. Khalil Shakir led the team with 105 receiving yards on six targets. Both Dalton Kincaid and Stephon Diggs had eight targets each. The Dolphins haven't been able to find those different answers in the receiving game. You mentioned Braxton Berrios, but I'm curious, is that, an again, an opportunity thing? Should you try to pencil in, especially with Jalen Waddle being out there, four, five, six targets for these guys, uh, because there are just some scenarios where whether it's that Chase Claypool play, there was a play over the middle where Cedric Wilson couldn't really create separation from his defender. Josh, this is a Bills defense that their last cornerback, Rasul Douglas, who they traded for at the middle of the season, he left the game. Uh, they One of their better tackling inside linebackers, he left the game. And we see these back backups come in and just play confidently and play comfortable. I I didn't really see a scenario where the Dolphins tried to attack players. What we saw is the Dolphins try to attack scheme and and that just, there were no answers to that. And I think that's what's frustrating too. Like Durham Smythe, they're trying to get other guys involved, other body types, instead of just, hey, we only can rely on fast uh, fast guys to break tackles. Durham Smythe, he has 50 yards. uh, Entering this week, he had 50 yards in back-to-back games for the first time in his career. In fact, those were two of the three games in his career he had 50 receiving yards. He had three for 30. So there were times where Tua would take what was given to him and you'd see them move the football. But man, there are other times where I don't know if it's just kind of spamming what you're comfortable with. Or I go back to before the Eagles game, there was a little clip between McDaniel and Tua during practice where McDaniel said to Tua, your best throws are when you don't know where you're going with the ball before the snap. And it just seems like as the years progressed, especially against these harder teams, you know, the Dolphins averaged 16.5 points against teams with a winning record. Uh, according to DVOA, the pass defense they've faced is sixth highest in the NFL. These aren't like there are situations where you face bad defenses and you can take advantage. You look at the Broncos game, but it just seems like there are some scenarios here where the dolphins aren't just trying to take advantage of what's happening on the field. And instead trying to say, we need to beat whatever scheme we're facing instead of relying on talent on the field, maybe a little schoolyard football. And I think there's a bigger conversation to be had if this dolphins team is equipped to play schoolyard football, or if that is a whole nother conversation. Yeah, I mean, and you wonder how much of it is a trust thing with two time below, right? You do have Tyreek Hill, you do have Jalen Waddle. I mean, those two guys you've, uh, you know, have proven that you, you know, know like you're, you know, Batman and Robin and things like that. And then when he goes to some of these other guys, you see the miscommunication there with Chase Claypool, not Charles Clay, Chase Claypool. I did hope he would have saw more out of Durham Smythe, but go back to what you said about uh, Mike McDaniel telling two time below that his best throws are when he's not, you know, 
knows where he's going before the snap. I mean, there are times when you can clearly tell it to a Tumalo is looking one way to kind of move the safety, and then he's just turning and just firing that way. I mean, I think that kind of ha- – yeah, and it just – um, you know, it's part of his game, and it's just who he is. But at times like this, I mean, I mean, you need to a Tumalo to take over games like this, right? I mean, is that not going to be the um, whole cloud surrounding so he wins a game like this by just taking it over despite – his surrounding cast, but I did feel like in that first half, he was playing pretty well, but dude, that entire offense, just everything about it in the second half was um, disappointing. I mean, it's not what you want your young, you know, promising up and coming offense coordinator, like you said, to come out there with a game plan. That's just basically going to your bread and butter and what everyone already knows. I think everyone would point to that punt return. I, I throughout the year, and we even had uh, some experts on the show who have come out and said that, you know, special teams isn't the most important thing. It can't make and break. And I kind of, I, I do agree with that. Uh, Aaron Schatz was on the podcast a, a few months ago and he said not to really too, too much, worry too, too much about uh, special teams. But one thing we saw throughout the year, Josh late, especially as that defense was starting to pick up steam and you go to like pro football focus, you see the offense ranked number one, like the defense ranked number two, you still see that special teams group ranked like 27, 28. So man, you, you think back, we have Jake Bailey, who I thought, I mean, I, I'm not going to get into a huge punter debate. Jake Bailey has kind of been a disappointing punter to say the least, but if you want to say something that's so dolphins, man, isn't the most dolphin things in the world that he has the best punt probably in his entire career. And it's returned for a 96 yard touchdown on a play where you have Cameron good, someone who's been battling on this practice squad bad for years shining like like it was a tough game but you have number 53 out there and i kind of could spot him every time you see him suffer a brutal injury where it's another friendly fire type thing he goes down 96 yards to the house and man that just kind of seemed like the dolphins were working so hard and it just collapsed collapsed so simply it just seems like every year every time the dolphins play one of these challenging opponents it is like a jab 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 fest but whenever there's there's that first haymaker like it's it's over yeah, you're right. Almost like it hits them back and they're just gone out of the picture and you're not, they don't ever re- regain and regroup from that. I mean, that thing was an absolute dagger. And I think at that moment, I realized, I mean, I already knew I married the right woman. I mean, I'm cannot be happier with who I married and the three kids that we've created, but um, she is there just chewing Justin Bethel's ass out. I mean, she was just livid and I'm just sitting there like kind of feeling dead and, you know, out of it because we're Dolphin fans, right? We kind of knew something bad was going to happen. That haymaker was eventually going to come, but she's sitting there like, he did nothing. And you literally go back and watch, and he's, like, following him like it's his shadow. I mean, it almost looked like that Josh Allen run on third and 13. And uh, Cater Kohu, I mean, basically just stood there, right, and just watched him go. And, I mean, those were the plays. Those were the difference makers. And after that punt return, man, I mean, we saw it coming all year. I just wish it wouldn't have happened at this time. It was absolutely gut-wrenching. Man, I got to tell you, that third and 13 run was the play that that was the play I turned it off. Um, I did the I did that meme where it's the old lady and the old man fighting in the rain. But and it's like at the end of the day, I still love you. And the old guy has the umbrella up over the woman. That's me still watching the game on my phone. But I turned off everything because that Josh Allen third and 13 run. Dude, we spent months building up this defense. I think this defense is in a fantastic spot. I don't want any major changes. Here I am. Put you know, burying them and they still got the the playoffs. We still have the playoffs, but man, like looking at how Josh Allen escaped that, I felt so freaking bad. Bradley Chubb, Jalen Phillips, and Andrew Van Ginkle. Um, We've had some long debates on if you build a team to beat a Super Bowl or you build the team to beat the guys in your division and you have the Bills, five straight AFC titles. They had deserved it. 
But man, you sign Bradley Jubb as a Jalen as a Josh Allen stopper. You draft Jalen Phillips as a Josh Allen stopper. To not see those guys out there when you have uh, Allen running free and just a, a crowd of nothingness. I mean, that to me is, is what really, really frustrated me. It made me feel super sad about the season in general. Absolutely, and I mean, I, I can I read my notes I have here for this play because it's kind of it's a little yeah. silly. Third and thirteen, the Josh Allen run I called it. I put that he turned into mother effing Superman on that play, right? I mean, it looked like Josh Allen just no one was going to stop him. So um, after that, I think the Dolphins did get a huge stop. Then right, I think it was yep. fourth down, and they did that stupid Buffalo Bills tush push, and they stood him up. And at that point, I got so excited, like new life, like I felt re you know reborn almost. I'm like the Dolphins are going to pull this off, man. We're going to overtime, and then. Um, you know, we know what happened next, but I do have to, you do have to tip your hat to that defense. Cause I mean, despite all the injuries, they still went out there. And if you told us before this game that the bills were going to score 21 points, I mean, sign us up, right, man. The dolphins are absolutely going to score more than 21 points and, um, didn't happen on this day. Dolphins end the regular season one in five against teams with a winning record. That's a minus 91 point differential. They lost three of five games to end the year, uh, and then you had Andrew Van Ginkle go down with the injury too. And that's when you knew, man, that's when you knew the, the, the fight was just leaving this team. Uh, but, but you had, you had Jerome Baker out there half the snaps because he's clearly battling injuries. Javon Holland played only a couple snaps. He was battling injuries when the season ends, man. And we'll talk about this more in a little bit. We're going to hear that Tyree kill is much more injured. I'm not making excuses. I'm not, I'm just saying that we are going to hear that Tyree kill is much more injured than we all originally expected. Just seeing but, it all fall apart. Just seeing you don't it. Have to make excuse- I'm sorry, man, but you don't have to make excuses, right? You just post the injury report, and anybody with a brain can see that if you lose all these superstar players, I mean, uh, you know, we're all down. We're all feeling like, I mean, you see it on Twitter, man. Some people are going way over the top, right? Fire McDaniel. He's on the hot seat. Get rid of two. We need a new quarterback. We're not going that far, but I mean, um, when you look at the list of injuries, you know, what, what we're seeing out of this team down the stretch, it kind of makes sense. But I think what gives us hope is that every time someone goes down, it looks like they're going to step up and, uh, you know, do the unthinkable. So um, the unthinkable is coming for sure. But God, man, th- this the season's ending in the most that so Dolphins way as of now, right? I tried so hard to stay so positive with Eli Apple for so long. Um, taking that ball out of the end zone was so silly. That dude you was did good, though. You did good. He looked like a magic carp, right? You, you saw it. You saw him flopping around. He's going to turn into a Gyarados. Someday he might turn into a Gyarados. <laughs> and then the Trent Sherfield touchdown. That is the So Dolphins play. Nothing more than that plays the So Dolphins play. The Dolphins tip the ball up in the air. I think it was Van Ginkle who got a hand on it, and it goes straight up. And you had, I, I think it was four players of the Dolphins secondary being Wiley Coyote waiting for the anvil to drop on their head, man. Just watching it go. And then you have Trent Sherfield have the, a fantastic – uh, toe touch in the back of the end zone that frustrated me from Eli Apple man because once a ball's tipped I mean and the Dolphins are in a division with three defensive minded head coaches for the moment uh, I tell you all three of those defenses know the second a ball's tipped you start mauling everybody dude pass interference doesn't exist anymore so it just seemed like there were some times whether it was Justin Bethel Cater Kohu uh Eli Apple, for all the stars this team has, there are these situations where they get caught with that deer in that headlights look. And to think about that in the form of this game, man, Josh Allen looked at it at times. Sean McDermott looked at it at times. I don't think I ever saw that from the Bills defense. Not once. 
Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned Cater Kohu, man. We love Cater Kohu, but this was definitely not one of his better games, right? I mean, I think you threw out Khalil Shakir's stats earlier, and I think he was the one guy who got beat on a deep play. I think he ran into Brandon Jones and Eli Apple. So it just sounded like it was no bueno this entire game. And you, we just keep throwing Eli Apple under the bus, right? I mean, you're mentioning, man, that ball tipped into the air, and as soon as it was in the air, you're like, you know exactly what's going to happen, right? Trent Shurfield's going to some – was that his only touchdown this year? Did did I read that correctly, or am I, I I'm mistaken? Oh my God. So I got, of you. Yeah, I I got had you. I'll look that up real quick. He has 11 receptions for a whopping 86 yards. Trent Sherfield, baby. That's the revenge game we always talk about. That, that's such a kick in the nuts. But um, I again, I'm, I'm very excited for what the defense did. I just hope that the offense can find a way to bring it all together. Hopefully, you know, pull together and get healthy. Do you think the Dolphins were, um, I know everybody saw Mostert and Waddle walking into the building and everyone, some people are speculating, oh, they're, they're going to play today and this and that. But um, do you feel like they may have, let them sit out this one because they knew no matter what, they still had one more game left and they were going to load up that gun, round up all them chambers and use everything they had in this next game. I've been thinking about this quite a lot, man. And this is like, I'm not trying to hate on McDaniel or anything, but this is when his words and angry fans rightfully so are going to start biting, right? When you come out every week and say, the guys are close, the guys are close. You're not giving your fan base any more information other than, hey, they're, they're getting healthy. They're almost ready. You know, you, you don't necessarily think about like the Robert Hunt re-injuries or anything like that. And I just think that Mike McDaniel is kind of putting his guys in a tough spot here because if you're hurt, you got to say at least something. You know, you have Jalen Waddle saying, you know, there's always a chance I could come out and play. You have Raheem Mostert talking about how he wants to play you got to all be walking in the same direction because otherwise you're going to have fans fuming in situations like this, especially, like I said, man, we're going to come out and hear that Tyree kill is a lot more hurt than we all believe. Uh, and I'm not trying to like, like say one person's more hurt than another here, but I, I think clarity with this stuff is so important. And I think Mike Daniel does a good job at listing every energy or um, injury, excuse me, and being very transparent. Uh, but man, it does kind of seem like just the wording and the messaging, he's leaving some players out to dry. I mean, I wouldn't sit here and say I'm mad and I, I can tell you for a fact, you know, Raheem Mostert and Jalen Waddle should have been out there. No, I can't. But but Mike McDaniel has done enough to lead us to believe and, and some fans who just are very angry, very frustrated, the emotions are going to come out, are going to start to connect the dots and wonder why on earth are you putting these guys in such a helpless situation just to have some of your best players on the sideline in a sport where if you leave someone like Connor Williams on the sideline for three weeks, he can still come back in and get re-injured. So I, I think there is something to like, yes, McDaniel is trying to protect his players, but at some point I think he needs to put a foot down and say, no, no, they cannot play or something along those lines other than just like the, all right, like the same routine with the, uh, media because then fans are just going to continue to get up, upset upset but i mean also at the end of the day fans are always going to be upset yeah man I, I agree with what you're saying and I, you're right no matter what happens right i mean we see it this year we've had success you know earlier and before this uh losing streak and fans still found a way to complain about something so um hopefully these guys i mean hopefully they were really truly trying to get them better for you know what they knew was going to be a must-win game right now your back's against the wall you can sit here and say you want all this adversity and you want to overcome this and that and uh you want to see how your team performs you know when their backs against the wall well now's your chance because there's no more games after this if you lose so um let's see let's see if they empty the chamber and bring waddle back mostert i mean that would definitely change the way this dolphins offense look but um on sunday against the bills they just weren't the better team and they got to bounce back Let's take a quick break here, and on the other side, we'll wrap with one final question about the future of the Miami Dolphins, so stay tuned for that. Joshua, as we approach... God, 
I, I can't keep doing this because the season's not over. I, I don't like having this tone of the season being over, so I apologize. We're trying to be like, I guess every pun intended here, we are the salt teens, right? We're just trying to help you digest this type of sickness that we are all dealing with here. Um, so, Josh, I want to wrap the show and spend some time talking to this. I put a poll on Twitter. Thank you for retweeting it. Be sure to follow Houts on Twitter at Houts, H-A-U-T-Z. Um, I posted at jmetal94. Just a simple question, Josh, and we're going to run through some of the responses here. Um, let me ask you, do you feel like Mike McDaniel has created and developed a scheme that maximizes offensive talent on the Miami Dolphins? Um, You know, I, I feel like he did. I feel like they went out there and they, you know, did everything they could, right, to surround Tua Tagovailoa with all the talent, to use his skill sets, you know, to um, mask some of the offensive line woes and things like that. I mean, if you're asking me situationally, if they – puts that offense in the best situation. I mean, that I might argue, right? There's some play calls that we can all disagree with on Sundays and, um, you know, different things like that. But I do think that they did the right thing by building this thing around Tua Tagovailoa, his anticipation and things like that. I mean, you can't tell me, Jake, that if for some reason the Dolphins were to ever move on from Tua and bring in a quarterback with a different pair, uh, you know, a different skill set, that you – I would think Mike McDaniel could probably completely reinvent this thing then, right? I think he does do a good job of utilizing or building this offense around his players' strengths, um, just how he uses those strengths throughout the game that I might uh, critique and want to see a little bit more out of. That I think is so interesting, man, because you suggest that other players can come in and, and not play this offense well, right? We saw Teddy Bridgewater stink. We saw Mike Wright throw a pick six leading by 30 points. Um, Skyler Thompson seventh round rookie he struggled it, it, give him a pass i'm not saying this to hate on him if everybody can't play in this scheme what's the point of it so think about it this way right you know we're maximizing tyree kill here and i could say we're max maximizing jalen waddle um our good friend chris lorando at extortion on x um, he said that he felt the Dolphins leaned heavily on one player would have much rather seen Tyreek get like 1300 yards and spread the love elsewhere so, yeah, I, I think I do agree with that, Josh. But much like quarterbacks, do you think other wide receivers can thrive in this offense? I mean, everybody wants to tear Chase Claypool a new one, right, for one route. But season on the line, is it really fair when you're investing all these draft picks and salary into these guys, into Tua, into Tyreek, into Waddle, that you need this ninth wide receiver you signed this year to be absolutely perfect on an out route to save your season? I just think... That might be a little bit of a challenge, just the sustained success of this offense. We see the highs, man, but that floor is very, very loud and clear. And that's probably right there, you know, talking about having the right system in place, but having the wrong personnel in at times, right? I mean, Chase, I almost said Charles Clayton. Chase Kippel was not coming down with that ball no matter um, where to, to a through it. I think what's going to, you know, maybe take this thing to the next level could be a third wide receiver, right? It just seems like we needed someone to step up all season long with Jalen Waddle out. Um, it just hasn't happened. But back to your point, I think it has a lot to do with that speed and just the timing with Tua Tagovailoa. And I think that's why um, this thing isn't running, a, you know, a full systems go, right? Because the timing's off every now and then with Cedric Wilson. We see it every week. We saw it with Chase Claypool. Um, Durham Smythe, I'd like to see him get more involved, but that just doesn't seem like it's ever going to happen. What about you? Do you think they're utilizing the running backs the best to their, you know, skill sets in this offensive system? Do you like what, the way they're being utilized? Raheem Mostert led the league in rushing touchdowns, and 20% of Devon H. Chan's runs went for at least 10 yards. Mike McDaniel is a run game coordinator. I, I think the running attack is, is absolutely beautiful. I think there are no issues with it. The Dolphins, 
I think they're slightly below average. This is the one number I don't have in terms of targeting um, uh, running backs. I think it's at like 28%-ish. Wide receiver, they're near the top, obviously, when you have Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, and you can easily give those guys 30 targets a game. Tight ends, man, they're at the bottom of the league. They target tight ends 6% of the time. And I want to find this one tweet, man, because somebody nailed this. Where, oh God, let me look it up. I'm going to say it and then I'm going to start um, searching for their name. But they mentioned the struggle of Miami's offense might begin with, like, you have technically two fullbacks on the field, right? I mentioned Durham Smythe, 50 yards receiving in back-to-back games for the first time in his career. And then you got Alec Ingold, man. And Alec Ingold, uh, he hasn't really made a lot of big plays as a receiving fullback, being that versatile fullback you want. So I'm wondering if there is something too that these Bills defenders and all these great defenses kind of understand, hey, don't let Tyreek beat us. Don't let these explosive guys beat us. And then we can go downhill to tackle a Chase or uh, Alec Ingold. Go downhill to tackle Durham Smythe. Go downhill to absolutely eviscerate Julian Hill. That's to me, I think, was kind of interesting. So Josh, what are your thoughts on that? My thoughts are, I, I kind of agree with you there. And it is funny though, how when we came into the year and I guess ever since Mike McDaniel got here, right, we're talking about the importance of this tight end room and how they needed to have uh, George Kittle or something like that. So um, I'm intrigued to see where they go from tight end here, but I'd like to see, honestly, Ingle get more involved in the passing game, right? I mean, we see it a little bit every now and then. I thought for sure Durham Smythe was going to have that big game this weekend, but um, you want someone else to step up and it's just not happening. Once they take away Tyreek Hill, Jalen Wallop, he's banged up. It's just kind of been game over after that and um i don't know man i, I don't know salty to a fan at j lee t24 yes no doubt mike mcdaniel has uh created a scheme that maximizes offensive talent but he doesn't adjust the way you'd hope when good teams modify their plans and adjust like last night bills took away the counter toss by stacking the line and plugging seven and nine no other adjustments other than falling back to the same dangerous passes to reek i completely agree with that um i think one of the biggest issues Mike McDaniel attacks coverages. He sees how opponents are lining up and decides, all right, I can beat that coverage. Instead of maybe taking it a step further and looking at players and maybe look at some Madden grades. That's really lame analysis, I know. But I've never seen in two years, and I'd love for someone to uh, correct me, I've never seen the Dolphins pick on a cornerback or a safety or or anything like that. It's always been, if the Dolphins are going to eat, everybody's going to eat. I've never seen it be a scenario where it's like the uh, Jimmy Wilson effect where Wes Wilker is going to go 99 yards to the house. It's not like Stefan Diggs in week four. It's not like anybody facing Cater Kohu in week 18. It's just, I, I think that's the one thing I haven't seen from this McDaniel offense. It's a little confusing is you have all these studs and you see the Baltimore Ravens having the using Miami's plays and you see Zay Flowers having a huge impact doing what Tyree Kill does. Why can't we kind of scheme up some plays to have some other players have a high impact? I mean, there was a great fade to said Wilson where it was kind of uh, you could tell there was a blitz coming and Tua dropped it off perfectly away from the defender. And I think that was right after Russell Douglas went down. So I'm like, they're doing it. They're actually attacking to where the bills are kind of banged up. But it just seemed like that went away so quickly. And it seemed like they just kind of lost that rhythm very quickly. Yeah, we did see it in that one play. And like you said, they didn't. I don't think they went back to it after that. So I can absolutely see what you're saying. And I, I love that we did this. I think it's something we got to do more often where we, you know, throw questions out there, retweet it, and maybe even, you know, do this quick little segment on it. Because um, for as down and out as we are, there are people that feel even, you know, more passionate about it, you know, maybe one way or the other. So I don't know, man. We're all coming together for this weekend, though. It's going to be a whole different ballgame this weekend, right, Jake? 
Branderson, 74-74. I feel like it maximized Hill and everyone else, including Waddle, suffered from it. Too many times I've seen every other wide receiver act like they didn't even practice. Waddle, not as much, but he def had a down year. I hear a lot of people saying that, and, and there's some merit to it. I think... We've said Waddle, it. We've said it. Waddle's dealt with anyway. some injuries. But also, this is this is a... Waddle's a baller, man. He has three straight seasons with 100 receiving yards, right? That is, that is not easy to do. That's a record. That is a record. And you had Raheem Mostert making $3 million a year lead the league in touchdowns. And we can rave about Devon A. Chain all you want. But what do all these guys have in common? They're really, 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 really fast. Can we do anything else? Can the Miami Dolphins find other ways to win? Because I, I don't necessarily think that the offense, yes, all these players struggled. But I do wonder if it's the offense just asking so much of these guys. And in order for it to fit what they want to do with Tua, I, I just wonder if they are so determined to push everything in one direction, they might be a little afraid to be like the Panthers game a couple years ago, where you see Tua, you know, complete 21 of 23 passes and it's only six yards per attempt. I, I think that's something that the Dolphins would really need. And I don't know if you can really lean into that with like a Durham Smythe for six, seven, eight targets per game. And I, I think that's what this offseason is truly about. Yeah, I don't know where this offense goes from here. And I mean, I was going to sit there when you were mentioning that and bring up Jeff Wilson because I thought he continues to run hard and he continues to have fresh legs. And that's a different dynamic to the run game that we don't really have, right? I mean, we got Devon Achan, who again, you can praise till we're blue in the face. You got Raheem Mostert playing his best season without doubt, leading the league in touchdowns. And I want to ask you, Jake, I think that is what's so frustrating about this, right? I mean, not only did we pooped the bed when we were playing the Titans and we know how that's going to haunt us for so many years, how we could have basically rested starters this week. But um, at the end of the day, fuck man, I forget what I was getting ready to say. Oh, it was going to be good. I thought. At I read I F E R Reed's been tweeting at us forever. So I apologize if I just butchered that. We saw this year that rookie tight ends can have an immediate impact on teams. In an offense like this that heavily features a fullback that doesn't produce stats, you can't also have a tight end, otherwise you become predictable. That that I haven't heard that's a great tweet, man. I actually really like that. I, I, I love that concept. And you wonder, man, is this offense asking too much of receivers and, and tight ends? If it's this hard, if you have to bring in so many different wide receivers and River Craycraft, someone who's do the Bane speech, he grew up in it. He was molded by this scheme. If and if he's only getting one target a game, one reception, it's early. I mean, maybe it's a sign to try some things a little different and, and maybe go back to square one. Uh, as a writer, I know there's a bunch of people who code who listen to this podcast. There are times like when you write a sentence, Josh, and, and you know it's this close to being perfect. It's just inches away from being perfect. And you try to play with it so many times and it just doesn't work. Sometimes it's best just to delete the entire thing. Delete the entire sentence, the entire line of code, and just start with what you have. I wonder if the Dolphins didn't do that as much as they should have this year. And on top of that, you could say maybe you can't do it so much if you're having these massive injuries late in the season. You can't really just completely adjust the offense. But in itself, that's limiting too. And if you're going to start paying guys a lot of money, you're limiting yourself in a lot of ways, and that's how you lose football. I felt seen with you saying not being able to make the perfect sentence or paragraph and just completely deleting. the. Sometimes I just delete the entire article. But um, Dory Brain, just Dory Brain, just remember what I was saying. And I think um, what's so frustrating about the Dolphins, you know, how close we were to tasting the AFC East, you know, maybe even 
being the number one seed, depending on how the, the chips fell. But we have Tyree Kill. You know, he's making that big money. We're getting ready to pay to a time below that big money. We have all these star players, and it just seems like it's still not enough to overcome things. So, um, again, we're down and out right now. We lost the division. The Bills somehow still have a lifeline. But if we can beat the Chiefs on the road and we can have Tyree Kill have that, you know, revenge game that he spoke about earlier in the season, I mean, all we wanted was a playoff win this year, right? Is that not the starting point? Like, is that not kind of the parameter? I mean, as sad as that sounds, right? As, as sad as that really does sound, Dolphins won a playoff game. It'll feel like a successful season with all the other things they accomplished. You know, two leading the lead in passing. Um, Tyree Kill in yards. And again, that goes back to why it's also disappointing that we're in this situation. So I'm spinning out of control here, man. Give us some more from, feedback from our fans. Fins fan 479. Uh one of the scary, I think it's Sonic the Hedgehog picks, but he's always tweeting at us. And, that, dude, I, I I love hearing from these guys. I actually – this is why we joined Twitter, man. Like, these days are so frustrating, and I stay off it because everyone's so annoyed and upset and, and pissed. But at the end of the day, man, the 365, 12 months – I mean, we aren't friends because we both like Transformers and Pokemon, dude. It's it's the Dolphins. We're here because we like the Dolphins. And I love hearing from people. And and if I don't get to all these, I do apologize. Uh, Finns fan 479 has a scheme, forgets it in the second half every time. Show me rush yards and attempts by first and second half, and I'll show you the problem with this offense. There is so much to that. I do think there is merit to just, hey, guys, let's run the football more. The Dolphins entered the second half with three straight passing plays. But at the same time, if you want to pay Tua to be the guy, complete a pass like there were opportunities man like there could have been a world where I think the path of more resistance would have been if Miami found success rushing the football and it's very possible Mike McDaniel's a run game coordinator this is his second year scheming up a passing offense I do wonder if if there is just we're looking or we're leaning too much into this without realizing like the Braxton Barrios miss and you're paying these receivers a lot more than you're paying your running backs. You have seven, eight receivers that you should be trusting um, out there, especially late in the game, especially bills, Dalton Kincaid, Dawson Knox, catching a touchdown. Khalil. I mean, Gabe Davis went out of the game and you saw them still attack the outside. So I, yes, I, I do want to see them run the football more, but I, I do think that, that there's, the, there's another layer of complexity that we're really going to start to understand as we go through the offseason. That's also where I'm torn, though, because we can sit here and say we want to run the ball more. But like you said, there were definitely opportunities downfield when throwing the ball. So, you know, whether Tua missed them here or there, the receiver dropped them. I mean, Tyree Kill, again, man, best receiver that we've seen in how many years. But he has come up, um, I don't want to say small in these big games, but, you know, he had a couple drops that were critical this week. He had to drop touchdown last weekend. Who knows? But you're, you're right, man. If you want, you also brought up the Tua thing. If you do want to pay Tua, and I think we all do, but he's going to make a fortune. And if you're going to make a fortune, you got to be able to take games over in this situation. And man, that second half, I wish we could just go back and have a mulligan. Although honestly, take it down to the two minute warning. Give us that one drive back and see if uh, Tua can do his thing. Because I, I kind of felt like it might happen, but um, that's just me being a homer. Season's not over. But Josh, I wanted to wait till the end of the pod, and I, I kind of wanted to—I wanted to run a couple things by you. I wanted to wait till we kind of uh, got near the end here. Um, you're not giving up on Tua, right? It's not—it's not punt Tua into the ocean. No, I, I can't do that. I, I can't. I mean, I can understand though why some people are fed up with it. If you were already leaning towards, if you already were kind of out on Tua, and you keep seeing these games in late in the year when you have to win, and you know, big games, interceptions. I mean. I could understand it, but no, I'm not giving up on Tua, ride or die. I just get a little queasy thinking about all them zeros that are coming at through that check, right? How much do you think people are going to hate me if if I start thinking like Kirk Cousins' treatment for Tua? Like you play out the fifth year, 
and then we're going to figure things out on the franchise tag. Because that's kind I, of how I'm starting to feel about this. Because the issue with paying a quarterback isn't like the year-by-year. Con- it's the long-term uh, type of deal, and you got to dance around it for years. I think, man, we might be heading towards the franchise tag. Um, I don't – you're not going to find a better quarterback out there, but I'd like to see the Dolphins have the opportunity to try. We saw Shanahan with the 49ers – Get a guy, trade for a guy, trade all the way up for a guy, and then find a dude in the seventh round. Um, I think I'd be on board letting this Tua thing play out. You got some franchise tags. And I wanted to throw two names out here that I just love to see Mike McDaniel have. Not to start, not to start, not to start. But I would love to see just because I go back to, like, everybody else sucked so badly in this offense. And you have Sam Darnold in San Francisco, and you have people saying, like, he should start over Brock Purdy as Brock Purdy's in the MVP debate. Don't get me wrong, that's the loud minority, but Sam Darnold went out there week 18 and looked solid. We have not seen that type of stuff from Skyler. I would love to see if this is an offense that that you can run with other quarterbacks, because if this is only a Tua thing, man, I'd love to see a Kyler Murray or a Justin Fields in Miami. I know, I just hurt you very much, but 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 look at that last play to Chase Claypool. There's people going around sharing the dots on how the play played out. All the protection starts sliding to the left. Mike McDaniel's offense, it seems like it's all built on plays. What the Bills have are plays and then backyard football built off that. Dude, I saw Tua run for one first down, and that was the slowest looking backyard football I've seen. And don't get me wrong, he bulked up in order to stay healthy, and I get that. But I see a little opportunity, man, for a backyard football. You roll back out to your right on that play to Claypool. All of a sudden, Sed sees you rolling out. He cuts back to the outside. You're playing schoolyard football against a banged-up secondary, and things look totally different. I like to see that aspect. Mike McDaniel had that aspect of an offense, and I they don't have that right now. Oh, man. They're com- they're going to come for us for this for sure. Um, Dude, I'll, I'll take it all. I'll no, no, all. because I'm, I'm coming in as well. First off, let me just say that I see people saying how uh, Mike McDaniel needs to find his Stafford, you know, like kind of like McVay, and I thought they – I seen him throw out Kirk Cousins' name. So when you say Kirk Cousins, I was like, oh, shit. I, I thought you were going the Kirk Cousins route. But then you went with, you know, mobile quarterbacks who in a different system could potentially be superstar quarterbacks. I'm going to be the first one to admit when Kyler Murray was coming out, I was all about Kyler Murray. That skill set, like you mentioned, you know, just is a difference maker nowadays in the NFL. We see how valuable Lamar Jackson is, how valuable Josh Allen was last night. Um, again, not talking about replacing two at all, but um, – one of the names that people were kept throwing in my mentions was Justin Fields. And that's a guy who, again, I thought the world of, I love that element of his game that he can bring where he's running the ball. So to think what a mobile quarterback could do in this offense, I understand Jake, it gives you goosebumps and makes you excited. I think we even talked about Lamar Jackson, you know, before the season, but um, I don't know if that's going to come. I guess the thing I would say is I wouldn't be against continuing to draft a rookie, you know, that might have a skill set that you truly desire because we see it in the NFL, man. And you can't feel overly confident to his health right after just one full season. I mean, it's the NFL and anything could happen. So I don't mind if they go out there and just throw a dart and try to bring up a prospect who, like you said, man, has that different element to his game that hell, maybe you could even have a package for him in that game. Right. Isn't that kind of how Jalen Hurts started there in uh, Philadelphia? Are are you saying they should sign Jacoby Brissett? Not not just a big guy. that's just going (laughs) to slug his way forward. I mean, like someone that's going to run some RPOs and, you know, maybe get to the outside and, uh, how we all envision Pat White to be. That's, uh, that's guess what I'm picturing in my head. I, and, and two, I have nowhere said that to Kyle, Kyler Murray or, or jo- Justin Fields would be better in this offense. This is just... Does, sorry to cut you off, but does Tua need to win this weekend or at least, you know, I, I guess play better than he did this week for you to 
would you change your mind then? Or do you still feel like you would let his contract play out? Like, does this weekend determine it at all? Or would you just feel better seeing another great season out of Tua and then paying him the bag despite how much it may increase? Dude, I don't know how much it would increase. Um, it, it's there's there's no right there's there's no right answers here. It's such a tough question. Damned if I, you do, damned if you don't. Seriously, you're 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 a thousand percent right, and I think that's why you do neither, right? You let the contract go, you franchise tag him, and it's it. it's super crappy. There is nothing worse in sports than the franchise tag. All anybody wants in life is security and to be wanted. Those two things, and McDaniel has done such a great job with that with Tua. Uh, yeah, I, I just want some more darts, I think. And I think if you kind of play things out that way, I don't think Mike White is the right guy to play in a Mike McDaniel system. Or actually, I even wonder, too, if there's a question of if in the offseason, as you know, Chris Greer and Mike McDaniel are identifying skill sets of players who can thrive with the talent they have, how much how much do you think the offense could change if it was uh, – uh, do we have to change things so Mike White's more comfortable or, or something along those lines? I don't know, man. I just think that there's a level of complexity with this offense that has taken it out of just like an NFL offense and has taken it into something so unique. And while it can be so unique and so special to put up 70 points, like sometimes you don't need it. Sometimes like you just need three yards and, and the Dolphins don't have that. Yeah, the way I see it, this offense is basically built up, uh, you know, built around Tua, Tyree Kill, and you could probably even throw Raheem Mostert's name out there. But um, yeah, maybe you would have to simplify it for Mike White. But we'll see, man. We're we got a lot of interesting things to talk about, right? Throughout the off season, we'll have Cat on the talk draft. I mean, he knows all of this stuff, man. So it's going to be a fun off season. But we're not there yet. Beat the Chiefs, win another game, and who knows? Maybe we'll talk an AFC Championship game. Definitely not trying to be doom and gloom. That that's hundred percent why we weren't here. But there's a lot to be annoyed about. A lot to be stressed out about being a Dolphins fan. And uh, yeah, I, I think my biggest message to everyone out there is everybody's annoyed. Everybody's upset. Yelling at each other doesn't solve it. Uh, block people if you got to. But Joshua, this this does make me feel better. We'll be back. What's today? Monday. We'll be back Wednesday night recording with Merrick. Wednesdays with Merrick. And uh, you got Peacock? You a Peacock guy? I think I do. I think one of my buddies gave it to me. But if not, I'm going to have to, what, fork up $6 to watch this game i someone jokingly said you know uh now i gotta pay what six dollars to watch the dolphins lose by 31 points and i just felt that straight in my bones i was so sad when i heard that we will be back shortly on another dolphins podcast but that is it that's all we have for you today thank you so much for listening no matter how painful it would be we will be back shortly but until then fins up, fins up. Fins up.